Hey girl, welcome to the Empower Her podcast, where we are all about taking purpose-driven action toward building lives we really freaking love. My name's Keisha, and I'm an entrepreneur obsessed with giving you actual tools to help take you from where you are now to where you want to go in your life, career, and relationships. And this podcast, it's all about real talk and having some fun as we share incredible stories, tips, and tricks to help us get out of our own way and unapologetically make some moves. So girlfriend, let's do the damn thing. Girl, I'm so excited that you're here for today's episode because we have on the show Dr. Leah Katz, who I just honestly think you're really going to vibe with her. She is a clinical psychologist. She's a writer for Psychology Today. She is a wife and a mom based out of Portland, Oregon, and she's also about to release her very first book called Gutsy, which is coming this May. And honestly, I found her personally on social media and loved her content and the videos that she puts out into the world. And I knew that this community, hopefully you specifically, would really resonate with her perspective and with the tools that she offers from a psychology perspective. She talks a lot about anxiety, navigating fear, perfectionist tendencies, people pleasing. And she shares in this episode specifically some very powerful imagery about you know, really how we can take control of our thoughts and in turn build a life that we are really freaking excited about. And she talks about like even the fears, like she's very transparent about the fears that come with even writing a book and putting yourself out there and wondering what are people going to think about you. So I think you're going to love her. You're going to leave this episode not only feeling very capable as a human, but also really worthy. Like you can make this happen, girl. You can make whatever dreams you have on your heart happen. So without further ado, let's dive into the show. Leah, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I love your energy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. The community is going to vibe so hard with you and all the topics we're going to talk about, like perfectionism, tendencies and people pleasing and avoidance and all sorts of cool and mindfulness. Like we've got a lot of cool topics that I want to cover. But first, can you kind of give us just a little bit of overview? Like how did you like what do you what's your day in the life like now? And how did you even get into this field of work? Sure. Yeah. So I'm a clinical psychologist. I live in Portland, Oregon. I'm from New York originally. So we've been here for several years. Um, I work as a clinical psychologist, but I also write for psychology today and I'm almost a published author. My book is coming out in a couple of months and, um, yeah. And I, my part of getting my book published and at the beginning of COVID, it was sort of like this, like beginning of COVID project I got on social media. And so I share social media tips on mental health and mindfulness and, um, yeah, so I sort of, and I have kids, so I'm juggling, you know, my, my career, my work, my writing, marriage, kids. You're doing, you're doing all of it. I love it. It's it's really cool because when I found you, like I mentioned to you, when I found you on social media, I loved your content, but I also loved just the wide variety of topics that you are talking about that I know this community is going to resonate with because a lot of women that are in this community, they have something that they want to do, whether it's something they want to start or it's a career advancement they want to make or the move that they want. They want to start a blog or a podcast or a business or they want to move to a new city or they want to get out of a relationship that's mm-hmm. not serving them. Like they just want to make a change, but something's holding them back. And often it's perfectionism tendencies. It's these people pleasing tendencies. And I'd love if we could just kind of start there and like get on the same page about like, 
What is this? Where does it come from? How do we recognize it when that's the thing that is actually holding us back? Yeah, I I love that we're starting here. And I mentioned this too, right before we started, you know, that that's actually the first chapter of my book, you know, because it's something that resonates for me personally. And it's something that I see all the time in my clinical work with women that I work with, um, that there, I I think it's almost a universal thing where there's more that we want to do and we just, something is getting in our way. And I think a lot of it, and you mentioned the people pleasing and the perfectionism. And I think that that has its roots in anxiety. I'm not using that word in a clinical way because anxiety is this big word. And sometimes it means clinical anxiety. And sometimes it's just anxiety, the feeling of anxiety, but it's anxiety based in fear. You know, and I really, I see that all the time. I've witnessed that myself. I, when I started writing my book a few years ago, that's exactly where I was. I'd been wanting to write a book for years. I loved writing for years. And I just really, I just didn't sit down to put pen to paper because subconsciously I wasn't even aware of the thoughts, but I was just giving myself a stream of thoughts of why I wasn't ready yet. And I wasn't, didn't have enough experience yet, or I wasn't old enough yet, you know, all the things. And so, um, I think that's a story that resonates for a lot of people, a lot of women, especially as we get busier in life, you know, women with children or with other you know, careers, but there's something else they want to do. It's so easy to ignore or not even notice that we're having those, those thoughts. So we yeah. sort of know there's more we want to do, but it's on the back burner. We're not really thinking about it and we're not really understanding why we're not doing it because we're busy. Um, and yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. So when, how do you feel like when you're working with, um, you know, people that you're working with, how does it come up for them? Like, how do we notice that this is a pattern that's coming up? Like, how can we catch it so we can actually do something? Because if we're not aware of it, right, then we can't do anything about it. So how do we get more awareness? Yeah. I mean, that's, I think for, for my own journey, that's where mindfulness played a big, big role in noticing what was going on in my mind and then having the courage to address it. You know, so I think it's two sides of the same coin. One side is self-awareness and you're right. You know, without that self-awareness, without the self-awareness, we're not going to do anything because we don't really know. We're not really attuned to what's happening inside. It's self-awareness. And then the other side of that is like the bravery and the courage. Like, okay, now that I know this is happening for me, what am I going to do about it? And for me personally, and there's a lot of science that shows it too. Mindfulness is a huge stepping stone in being for both those things and being more self-aware because mindfulness is learning to be present and notice what's happening for us in our bodies and our minds and our feelings. So it's a good tool to get us there. And it also helps us with being brave because it helps us diffuse from some of those fear-based thoughts, the ones that hold us back. Mm, okay. Yeah. So let's dig. So maybe it actually makes sense to dig into that a little bit more. Like for someone that, of course, you've heard the term mindfulness and maybe some people are aware of what that is, but like, yeah. how, how does one get more mindful? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's such a good question. And it is a term that we're all using and it, and I think it's used in different ways. So I think that like mind, mindfulness is this big umbrella word and it could mean a lot of different things. And getting more mindful can just, I mean, it doesn't have to be anything fancy or anything you even need to like read a book about or listen to a podcast about necessarily. Really what it means is learning to be present for whatever is happening for you in this present moment in a non-judging way. So that's, that's pretty much it. And so that can mean, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, after you're done with the podcast and you go outside, just taking a deep breath of fresh air and noticing what that's like for you, like noticing how the air feels going into your body and filling your lungs and then breathing out and then noticing how your body feels after you've done that. It could be that small, you know, like just dropping in for like the tiniest of moments and learning to notice again. And like the underline is like in a very gentle, compassionate way or notice judgment when it comes up for you and just watch it and look at it and let it go. Um, 
So we can, you can do it. You can bring it to anything. You can bring it right now as you're listening, like just notice your feet on the floor. What do you say? Like, what do you feel here? I love that one. Cause I feel like our feet are just sort of like there and there's something grounding about noticing what our feet are making contact with what's happening for you right now. What's what temperature sensations are you noticing? So when we start to drop in, even in those brief moments, we're reinforcing the brain wiring to be able to do that more and more. And there's, there's just something really beautiful about it. I think it really could enhance the way that we live life. So there's that, that aspect, just sort of this informal dropping in mindfulness practices. And then of course, like there's the more formal practices too, you know, where you can get like an app where you could on your own, just sit for 10 minutes and just notice what comes up for you. And just notice that. And again, like just hopefully in a compassionate, gentle way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like the balance of both is probably like the best recipe to like cultivate this ability, you know, like having a little, like a little, a little formal mindfulness practice, like don't overwhelm yourself, you know? And I think a lot of people feel like, Oh, like, to meditate, I have to sit silent for 40 minutes. And that's so overwhelming, you know, like, again, like, like that's that having that kind of thinking is going to prevent you from getting started. You know, like that was what we just first started talking about. But if we, if we tell ourselves, I can just sit for three minutes for two minutes and just notice and see what that's like for me. Yeah. We're so like right there. Yeah. What about when people are worried about what's going to come up for them when they are, because I bet you, you work with people that they don't stay still or they don't let themselves be present where their feet are because mm-hmm. they're afraid of what's going to come up for them. Like they're rushing through things. Like, I think there's a lot of women that can probably connect with that where they haven't stopped to even think about what they want because in their head, they're telling themselves this story that yeah. if I stop and think about what I want and I actually say it, then I'm going to have to go take action on it. And what are other people going to think about me doing that or whatever comes up? Right. So yeah. How do you support someone or like, what would you encourage someone that is experiencing that type of thing? Like where they know that they don't want to slow down or they don't want to call their shot on the thing that they want to do because they're worried about other people and what they're going to say about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And I, I like, there's some really interesting research that shows that like the more that we practice mindfulness, the braver we get, because just letting ourselves to be present, even for one little moment, one little brief moment builds up our ability to be with the hard stuff, like with the hard thoughts, with the worry thoughts. Um, So it it becomes like this like really nice cycle where you might want to start with like a minute or two and, and then you see, oh, I can do this. I can be, I can be with what comes up for me. It diffuses that worry of like, oh no, I'm so scared about what I'll find. I don't think I can handle it. You know, that becomes a vicious cycle. So it's like, forget it. I'm not going to do it. I'll push it off. But if we like turn that around and we say, you know, like, let's create a different sort of cycle here. Let's sit for a minute or two or, or just do an informal practice. You realize like, oh, hey, like this isn't that bad. Maybe there's even something really nice about it. Or maybe if that's what's going on for you, bring some mindfulness to something that's already really nice for you. Like take a shower, like when you're in the shower, just smell the smell of your body wash. You know, like that can be a way of like just getting in, in a way that feels a little bit less threatening. Um, yeah. 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 But I really hear that. I mean, I think that that is something that does hold a lot of people back from starting this practice. It's like a little scary. What am I going to find? And, and then what am I going to, what am I going to do with that? You know, like then that means that I'm going to have to like pay attention to that and do something with it. So I really hear that it's hard. Yeah. So if people come to you, like, I'm sure you've worked with people that really, really struggle with other people's thoughts about them, whether it's their their mom, their sister, their significant other, their mother-in-law, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. 
how do you help them work through like doing what they need to do for themselves? Like maybe this is even a boundary conversation. Like mm-hmm. how, how do you help people that are struggling with really deeply struggling with what other people think about them in order for them to do what they know they feel called to do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that pattern of thinking is very common in people who do have anxiety, you know, like who do have clinical anxiety. It's like one of the thought distortion patterns, you know, like there's a few very common ones. So this, like the comparisons or worrying about what other people are thinking or thinking that we know what other people are thinking when we really don't know is super, super common. And so, I mean, as a therapist, as a psychologist, I see how beneficial therapy is. You know, if that's something that you notice you have a pattern with, and it's really holding you back and it's interfering with your life and it's making things feel heavy and hard. Therapy can always be a great option because you can learn tools to, again, notice your thoughts and reframe them, talk back to them. You know, like, just like what I said before, how oftentimes like though that kind of thinking is, it's, it's kind of like magical thinking. It's, I think I know what other people are thinking about me, but really I don't. And most likely it's not what my anxiety is telling me they're thinking about me. So learning to, again, slow down, catch the thought and then reframe it with a more accurate thought can be so helpful. And you can learn how to do that in therapy or just reading about there's a form of therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy, which is su- super useful and super skill-based to do this kind of work. Um, but mindfulness too, you know, like, so some of it's catching the thought, reframing it, giving yourself healthier, more accurate thinking. Like it doesn't matter. That's really irrelevant. You know, me thinking that of what other people's opinions think about me is really irrelevant to my life. I'm on my own path and that doesn't matter to me. And if, if I make that matter to me, then I'm not going to live the life that I want to live. There's that. But then there's also the mindfulness where we just notice the thought coming up. Like I'm really like, you know, thinking that your brain, your mind is telling you, like, I'm really scared. I like to put it in quotation marks, like what your thought is telling you, like, I'm really scared about what my spouse is going to say about this new venture I want to do. Okay. Well, my brain just gave me that thought. Okay. It's just a thought, just like any other thought. I don't even really have to do anything with it. I can just notice it as a thought and let it go. Okay. There it goes. Yeah. It's okay that it's here for me. I'm not going to let it guide me. I'm not going to let it like, sort of like walk me on a leash. You know, like when you walk your dog, I'm not going to let my thoughts do that to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's so simply put and it could literally change every person's life that's listening into this. If you started to have this, like, like, I like to think of it in my head, like this curiosity, like element where I'm like, Oh, look at you. Like I say this to myself, this might sound weird. This won't sound weird to you, but like where I'm like, Oh, look at you, Keisha. Like you're just having the human experience of like this weird thought that came into your mind uh-huh. that like you, you aren't going to, you aren't going to accept this as truth. You're just going to like, let it like pass by you. So I do that for myself, but uh-huh. full transparency, sometimes I have a hard time explaining how I actually do that. Cause like I catch it in my head and then I can almost like think about it, like from a bird's eye view where I'm like, Oh, uh-huh. that's cute. Look at you being a human. But how do you work with, you know, people that are just kind of discovering how to think about their thoughts for the first time, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you help them figure out how to do that? Yeah. I mean, I mentioned something a little bit before, but to go a little bit more into that, like once one technique that I really like is sitting with yourself, noticing the thoughts that are coming up and like put each one, each thought in quotation marks. Like my brain just told me you look dumb. I'm like, you can't, I don't know if you you can't see me, but I'm doing quotation marks. Oh, okay. Like that's a thought. It's not me. It's learning to de-identify from your thoughts. I think before we do this work, our thoughts feel like they're tr- like what you said, they're truths. They are me, but they're totally, totally not. You know, and what I like to tell people in therapy is like, we have billions of thoughts every single moment, you know, like we're not conscious of most of them, but we have lots of conscious thoughts too. Every moment, boom, boom, boom. We have so many thoughts. We get to choose which ones to follow, which ones to believe. A lot of those thoughts are inaccurate or distorted or, um, 
intrusive, right? Like intrusive thinking is like a big topic right now. I've seen a lot of people talk about it. So it's just learning to de-identify, notice it as like this discrete thing. Like, okay, my brain just gave me this thought. Okay. It's just a thought. An analogy that I like is like, you know, when you're little and you're blowing the bubbles and you watch the bubbles float away. So like inside of each one of those bubbles is a thought. Okay, here it goes. And you can go and you can even like pop it, you know, like you can play around with it. <laughs> but imagery is for someone who's just starting to do this work, maybe close your eyes and like imagine, do this practice for 30 seconds, you know, imagine the next few thoughts that come up for you as inside bubbles. And there, here it comes and there it goes. Here, and see what that's like for you. It can be a real shift, you know. And I think a lot of people who haven't done this work or who haven't read about this work don't think about it that way, but it's not a big, it's not, it's not the hardest shift to make. It's like, once you get it, you're like, Oh, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then it changes the whole game because you recognize that you're creating meanings for everything that you're doing. And these thoughts don't even have to be accepted. Oh, I, I love this because it's, again, it's one of those things that like people that have that, that mind that loves the imagery, even just having this bubble thing that they can think about of like, Ooh, that's cute. And how you just said, and play with it. It just makes it so it doesn't feel so difficult. And so like, I think a lot of times we avoid things that we think are going to be really hard. Like, Oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to figure out how to do this thought work because that sounds like that's going to be so hard and overwhelming. But like when you have this spirit about it of like, Ooh, I'm just going to play with these ideas as they pop up. It feels so much more supportive of like liking the process more, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. And I think that that is a beautiful thing that can happen oftentimes through mindfulness practice is you learn to take things a little bit less harshly, (laughs) you you know, even the hard stuff, even, you know, anxious thinking that's hard. It's really hard to struggle with anxiety and other things. And through this kind of practice of like the imagery or the mindfulness, we can learn to lighten up a little bit, like, okay, it's okay. And we can learn to have self-compassion. So it's play, it's self-compassion. Yeah, it's a bummer to feel this way. This is really hard. And also I'm okay. And also I'm human. And also, hey, like maybe let's be a little funny and playful with these silly thoughts that keep on popping up for me, you know? Cause that's, that's also a truth that we tend to have patterns of our distorted thinking. So somebody might have a lot of those thoughts of what are other people thinking about me? Or somebody else might have a lot of thoughts of like catastrophic thoughts, you know, like, oh my gosh, the worst case scenario is going to happen to me. So when we get familiar with the themes of our thinking, we can add a little play to it because we can realize, okay, this is just my little brain over here. Amazing. My little amazing brain who's, you know, does a lot of amazing things for me. And then sometimes I get these thoughts that like are, are not in service of me. Okay. That's like kind of lighten up a little bit. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. Girl, I hope you are loving this conversation with Dr. Leia Katz. And I just wanted to pop in here real quick because I know some of you, maybe you specifically, are a podcaster and you want to grow, scale, and monetize your existing podcast. If so, I've got your back. I'm really excited to loop you in on our brand new variation of our program, She Goes Podcasting Amplified. So, Let me give you a rundown of this program because if you're ready to crank it up a notch and you want to grow your podcast and your community, you want to generate revenue from your show to existing products that you already have, or you want to create brand new products, you want to really just like make this a priority this year, this program is going to be your jam. So how does it work? It's broken down into three separate components. One is you get two one-on-one Zoom calls with me. The first of which is a full podcast audit. So I'm going to give you very specific feedback on your particular show of tangible things that you could actually implement that will take you to the next level. 
Then you get access to self-paced curriculum. This is a little bit of a tweak that we made from our last round where it was done in a cohort. Um, Everybody's busy, right? So I want you to be able to go through that curriculum on your own pace. You have awesome like downloadable worksheets, but we teach you the ins and outs of cultivating community, simple, very effective growth techniques, how to pitch yourself, to put yourself on a podcast tour, how to secure guests on your show. We talk a lot about different collaboration opportunities, affiliate marketing, podcast sponsorship, how to generate additional revenue sources, bumpers, and really just like the mindset to stay consistent as a podcaster to really just grow and flourish in this space because podcasting is all the rage right now for a reason, right? And then after you go through that self-paced curriculum, we jump on a call again to make sure that you've got everything that you need to feel really confident of your next steps to really take it to the next level. And then you get added into our graduate community of all of our other amplified grads. These are women that just like you, like they're not just podcasters, but they're podcasters who are ready to crank it up a notch, which just gives you access to all of these collaboration opportunities with other women that want to grow, scale, and monetize. So I would love to chat with you if this feels like it could be a good fit for you. And if you're interested, I want you to text the word amplify to 512-548-2728. Again, text amplify to 512-548-2728. I can only take a limited amount of women because I'm only one person and I want to make sure that I get to pour into you. So if you're interested, text me, we'll get you on the list and I can hear a little bit more about if this would be a good fit for you. So without further ado, let's dive back into today's show. So from a tactical perspective, like if someone is struggling a lot with a lot of like anxious thoughts that are coming up and obviously that's going to present very differently for every person. But what, like, what is like, what are some tactical practices or things that you've seen to be helpful either for yourself or for your clients that mm-hmm. um, can support those types of thoughts coming up? Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say this before, and I think it is like a nice, it's something that I think about. And I think it could help people who do have anxious thinking to remind ourselves, we cannot control what we think, right? Like we said before, our brain produces billions of thoughts every single moment. We cannot control what pops in there, but we can control and choose how we meet it, you know, so how we choose to meet those hard thoughts. And I think just reminding ourselves of that has a lot of power. And then how we choose to meet the hard thoughts, well, there's a lot of different options, you know, and we've been talking about them. Do I notice the thought and talk back to it and give myself more rational thinking? Do I journal? You know, like that's another great, you know, journaling is a great way of just processing it and getting it out of your body and onto a piece of paper. Um, Do I practice a mindfulness? Do I go for a walk? Body movement is a great way of like, just sort of like processing stress and and worry thoughts and getting recalibrating ourselves. Um, yeah. So I mean, so it's, it's make, it's, it's that first idea of I, I can do something about this. They're not me. And now what, like, what am I going to do? Yeah. 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 It's crazy. And I don't know if you notice this for yourself, but for me, I'm such a verbal processor. I feel like a lot of women are mm-hmm. verbal processors. I'm like, I need to get these thoughts and it just everything to like move through my body. Because if I sit, I'm going to go like, I, it's not going to be yeah. good. Right. Yeah. But if I start moving or even like with conflict, or if I feel like I'm just like bickering with my significant other a little bit where I'm like, let's just like go on a walk because by the end of the walk, we're going to figure this out because I feel like my, mm-hmm. my head is just like so much more clear. Like there's science that supports that. Right. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. And actually I do the same thing with my husband. Like if we have something to talk about, that's yeah. big. Well, oftentimes if we can go for a walk, because there's something about the movement that keeps you regulated that helps you have a more productive conversation, hopefully most of the time. So it's, it's about communication and how you are interpersonally, but yeah, same thing with yourself. If you notice, gosh, I've got like a lot of anxious energy inside of me, or I've just been dealing with a lot of stress. 
there's absolutely tons of science that says, you know, even just sitting outside. So it's movement is great for you, but even just sitting outside and getting fresh air and sitting down and you're not moving is also really good for you. So combining the two, it's like a double whammy. Yeah. Double whammy. I love it. So, okay. You've got a book that's coming out in a couple of months. I want to know, like, what are a couple of your favorite themes from the book that you feel like would be cool to share with this audience? Because obviously they're going to know about your book. They're going to come connect with you on social media, all the things. But um, you decided to write a book, which is a big endeavor, right? Yeah. And I'm sure in itself, the process of writing a book was probably a lot. Um, but, but why did you write the book? And then I guess, what are a couple of your favorite themes in the book? Yeah, I, so I had, I had been wanting to write a book my whole life. You know, it's been a dream of mine since I was little. And, um, I, you know, in my twenties, I just kept on like pushing it off, you know, I'm too young and, uh, you know, like that feels like a really big deal. And, you know, like what we've, what we started off talking about, like having those worry-based fear-based thoughts of not being enough and not being ready. And something happened. Like when I hit my mid thirties, I said to myself, like, there's just something changed. You know, I guess it's like sort of the noticing of the passage of time and we're getting, you know, we don't have all the time in the world. Time goes by and we're getting, you know, I was getting older, um, I just, I, I turned this corner. I'm like, I'm going to make this happen. And, um, and yeah, and it was, it was, it was a really long process. It was super rewarding. It was really fun for me to write, but you know, I, you, you've written a book, right? Do you I haven't, have- I haven't yet. Although I will at some, I feel like for me too, it's that mid, I'm 32. I'm like, I already in my head, I'm like, it'll probably be like in my mid thirties after we have kids that I'm like, okay, I want to do it now. Like, I, I yeah. don't know. So it's, it's funny. There's something about like the age, not in a bad way, but in a beautiful way where you're like, yeah, yeah like I think now I feel like this is the time. So it sounds like it was a very aligned time for you to do that. It, it really, really was. And I think it was, I mean, I guess my life, you know, my kids were a little bit older. So I had time to invest in writing a book because it takes so much time, but it was also just something, it was this awareness of the passing of time. And what am I waiting for? You know, like there is never going to be a time where I say, now I'm ready. Now I have enough experience now, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid anymore. You know, I, so it's learning how to do the things we want to do together with the fear in a really compassionate way. Um, yeah. And I found, you know, I started meditating about eight years ago for real. Like I always loved the concept and I sort of dappled in it and did a little, little here and a little there. And I went on this meditation retreat almost eight years ago that I like was so, I had, did not know what I was getting into. Somebody recommended I do it because they knew I was interested in it and I signed up for it. And it was super, super, super transformative for me. Was it like a silent retreat where you like don't talk for a long time or something? It, it was, was It was like a seven day. So it was a seven day meditation retreat. Parts of it were silent. So the whole thing was not silent. It was a, it was a beautiful experience. And it really helped me just have this in-person experience of like immersive meditation. And I felt the transformation. I felt like I came, you know, I came home from that, just feeling braver, stronger, more aware of the patterns of my mind and how it was impacting me and my relationships and me and how I'm living my life. So, um, so that's, that's sort of like where a, a lot of my book came from, not that one retreat, but like this journey of mindfulness and meditation and just ideas that I've learned through the process that have helped me be brave. So in my book, I talk about some of my own personal story about working with like chronic pain or um, individualizing from a community that was very, very tight knit and had very strong expectations of me and how I should live my life. Um, And mindfulness really helped me be brave in that way. Like, again, like notice like how I really wanted to live my life and how I was telling myself, I can't do that because other people are going to judge me and I need to make everybody happy with me. And so, um, this practice just really helped me become aware of how important this was to me and how I was going to like put one foot in front of the other to lead myself towards a more fulfilling life. 
Um, so what some things, yeah, so it's just, it was, it was really like a, a lovely book to write for me. And I hope that it helps others too. you know, just yeah. a reminder that we, we can do this, you know, we can access that inner bravery, um, to live our most fulfilling lives. Yeah. Oh, there are so many women in this community that want to write books or in the process of writing books or have mm-hmm. even written books. And, and I do think it's really important when someone has like freshly come out of this experience to be able to talk about it more in real time. Cause there's, you know, there's plenty of authors that have been on this podcast that, you know, they wrote their first book like seven years ago. So it's almost like you, that space between feeling the actual emotions that come up when you are putting out something that you are so excited to put out into the world, but it's also like, okay, like this is written, like written form content. You can just like delete your Instagram post. Like this is real. This is coming out into the world. So how, um, how do you navigate some of those fearful thoughts as they were coming up in real time, obviously using mindfulness, but like, you know, to do something that has like so much labor and heart and passion that goes into it. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of women that can connect with that. Like I said, from a book perspective, but also from anything that they're creating right now that they're like, Ooh, like Leah, I I feel the feels in my body to do this. I'm so scared. Like, how how do you navigate that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a combination of having support people. That was very important to me because it is a hard process, and I think most of us do deal with those fears that come up. So, having a good friend or a spouse who's supportive or a significant other, whoever you know, just where you can bounce your fears off of and hopefully they can help you work through that and like reassure you like, no, this is something you've been wanting to do for a really long time. You need to do this, you know? So I think that just having like an outside voice can be really, really helpful. And I think it's really just reminding ourselves that the big things we want to accomplish in life aren't going to come easy, you know? And whether it's writing a book or breaking away from a community that really, you know, isn't right for you or whatever it is, pursuing a career, it's just, it doesn't come easy and it takes persistence and it takes grit, you know, and it takes putting one foot in front of the other, knowing that it like with the people pleasing and the perfectionism knowing, and I talk about this in the book too, it's not only is it okay to get rejections and not only is it okay to make missteps, like it's a gift because it builds up our self-worth and it lets us know that we are so much more than the outcome of what we're doing and we can't control the outcome. And actually sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work and you learn from both. Mm -hmm. Um, And so with this whole endeavor of writing the book, it was a lot of that. It was using social support, just persistence, keeping on at it, you know, like it's hard, it's hard to write a book and, you know, as you're building an author platform. And so you send out a lot of um, query letters to different agents and then publishers, and it's a whole process and you just have to keep on, if it's, if it's a value of yours. And I think that that's a part of it, like just getting clear on how and why this is important to you. Mm. So I had like post-it notes all, and I, I still do, but my kids have like taken them down. Like I would have post-it <laughs> notes. I'm like, I'm like, where'd they go? They were so nice of my why, right? Like, why am I doing this? Like what, why am I doing this for me? Why am I doing this for that, you know, purposes beyond me? And um, that helped me too. you know, just remind myself, like I'm doing this and this is why, and I'm not backing out because life is happening. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to think about the why that's important to you from an internal perspective, but then also the why that's bigger than you. And I love that you mentioned that because often we set goals and a lot of women in this community Uh tell me they set goals because they think it's like, they set the goal. I'm like, well, why does that matter to you? And they're like, well, I just feel like I should because of this Uh stage of Uh life, because other people that started in this type of business or because I've been in this career for X amount of years. So I should just want this role or because we've been together for X amount of years, I should just now have kids. It's like, but they don't even actually know why they're wanting to do it internally. 
And then they, and often don't have this, like the way to raise the necessity to show up for it because it's not bigger than them. So they don't have to push through. So I love that you mentioned both of those because I I often think that we, we don't recognize both. Yep. Yep. Uh, Oh, absolutely. And that was, I had two different whys. One was like, you know, why this felt so important to me as a human living my life right now and how it went beyond me. Because I know if it was just the first, if it was just about me, then I might not have ever done it. You know, it's so easy to like, okay, yeah, that's important, but I'm so afraid and I don't know. And, you know, like, but if there's something that is bigger than you, whether it's, you know, how you want your kids to see you living your life, you know, or the impact you want to make on the world, or it really helps. And it helps me push past those fears. Like there's, this is about more than me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so just like, I love the way that you speak about this in a way where it's like, it's it's simple concepts, but it's like, these are the actual anchors of what's going to help you show up because sometimes people experience resistance where Mm -hmm. like, because you're doing something for the first time, you've never written a book. So of course it's going to be hard because you literally (laughs) have no idea what you're doing. You're getting Mm -hmm. rejections from people and you're having to navigate that and then not tying that part to your identity. Like, how did you work through that? Or how would you recommend that other people do when they, when they start something? Cause you know, this happens, right? You start something and you actually suck at it. Like the first time you do it, like the first time I did a podcast episode where I'm like, how am I so sweaty? Like, where did all of this sweat come from? And like, why am I doing these really awkward, dramatic pauses? Cause like, uh-huh. I didn't know what I was doing. And yeah. then as you put your reps and you get better, but sometimes people stop right when it's hard. Yeah. And, and, and like, how do we get ourselves to keep going when, when they do throw in the towel like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a super technical thing. And this has helped me and this helped me stay, you know, present with my writing because it takes a long time to write a book too, is have like telling, telling a few trusted people about it. And like that creates some accountability, you know? So Mm. people were asking me about it. I was part of like, I had a small group of really close friends and we were talking about our passions and the things that we were working on. And everybody knew that I was writing this book, you know, and we meet once a month and people would ask me. So like that, like from an external force, like that just helped me keep on going, you know? And I think that that actually probably would resonate for a lot of people who are perfectionists and who are people pleasing. And again, like you don't want to capitalize on on, on that piece of like, I don't want to let people down because we want to get out of that. But there is a piece. So there is something to accountability, you know, gentle accountability from people around you. And I think that that really can help keep on pushing when it does get hard because it will get hard. And I think that a part of it is just really preparing ourselves for that, you know? So it's like the mental preparation. I'm setting out to do this thing. It's not going to be easy. I'm going to have to keep on persisting. Maybe like read about other people's processes. I always feel so inspired when you read about like, you know, people who are really successful in what they're doing and how they only, you know, they only started doing this at, you know, 45 or, you know, you you see these like memes or, you know, there's like a lot of famous people who had lots of rejection and had to really navigate and pivot a lot before they found their jam. (laughs) So, um, you know, so staying connected to that, you know, I think that that's actually another issue, like being careful about what we're ingesting in terms of like social media content that we're looking at, like making sure that we're, you're following people who are keeping it real and keeping it honest, because this is really everybody's story. You know, things don't come easy and everybody deals with rejection and mistakes and setbacks along the way. And so if you can connect to people that maybe you have like as a role model, even someone that you don't know, but you can like remind, they remind you like this is hard and you got to just stay with it. That can be pretty cool too. Yeah. Well, and when you think about it, 
the reason why you're going to feel so like you're fulfilled by the process of writing this book, because obviously it was a dream that has been on your heart for so long that you, you made come to reality. Like I can imagine how you're going to feel when people have the book in their hands and they're telling you how it's impacted them. Like that's going to feel so fulfilling, but I honestly think you would have robbed yourself and people need this reminder. I remind myself this all the time. Like I'd be robbing myself of joy, fulfillment, and this like deep pride. If it was easy, like yeah. that easy actually robs you of proud because right. you're like, I mean, I don't want to read anybody's book. That's like, oh, my life was so great. My parents like gave me money and I started this business and everybody bought from me. And then I like lived happily ever after with my perfect marriage, and my perfect thoughts all the time. Like what? Like, I don't believe you first and foremost. Secondly, right. your book is going to be so boring because you haven't gone through anything. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we wish away that. But in reality, it's like, that's that's why it's going to be so fulfilling. So if for anyone listening into this right now, like you're cruising down the freeway and you're like, oh, I'm working on this thing and it feels like you're struggling. Good. This is like the grit resilience stage. And also this is a pride building stage. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And for those of us with kids or small, you know, people in our lives, you know, maybe nieces or nephews or like for me, like that's a really powerful thing to know that my kids are watching me do this, you know, and like hopefully because our kids learn the most through observing how we handle situations and what we do with our lives and how we treat people around us. And that's also science, you know, and so knowing that like, I hope that this is instilling something in them for how they're going to live their life is like a really, it's a really beautiful thing. Uh, I love that. So I always think in my head about like a hypothetical conversation with my future kids Mm -hmm. where I like want them to be able to like, look at me as living, breathing proof of someone who did go for her dreams. When I tell them that they can do anything, I know they're going to be like, well, like mom, I, I, I watched you do it. So I know I can too. That type of thing is like such a driver for me as someone who's not even a parent. I can only imagine when you have these kids like staring at you that are like taking all your post-it notes down and they know that you were like, (laughs) it's going to be so cool for them to see that your book and your kids have your book in your, in their hands. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be so cool. Okay. So tell everyone where they can find you, when your book does actually come out, what's it called? Because obviously they're going to be very excited and and want to connect with you. So fill us in on that. Great. Thanks for asking. Um, so I post on Instagram. My Instagram handles at Dr. Leia Katz. Um, pretty much every day with just different mental health tidbits, mindfulness, anxiety, relationships. That's sort of what I center my content around. So I'm over there. And yeah. it's juicy. You have to go follow her on Instagram. You have to take <laughs> this episode because your Twitter quotes are so juicy. You do like little videos. I creeped on so much of your content. I was like, yes, like I love you. So um, yes, you're so great. Thank you for saying that really, you know, it's nice. Cause like some, you know, and for people who are doing this, putting content out there, you know, like there's like a little bit like, Oh, I don't know how this is like, you know, landing on people. So it's nice to hear that. Thank you for saying that. Of course. Um, it's, it's been fun though. It's been fun. It's, it's, I really enjoy creating content so much. Um, so, and my book is called Gutsy Mindfulness Practices for Everyday Bravery. And it's coming out May 3rd. Very excited. It's coming up. It's like unbelievable, you know, cause this, it's been like a year and a half like that. I've been going through this whole process of everything. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's already almost here. Um, and it's going to be at all major retailers. So Target, Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Yay. <laughs> oh, I'm so yeah. excited for you. Yeah. Okay. One last thing to kind of close this out. Um, I don't like to ask for like best advice because I feel like that's so much pressure and everybody needs to hear something different. So instead, what's something that you would want to leave to the woman who right now, like she internally, she like knows she needs to make a change in something, whether that is to leave a job that doesn't feel aligned or a relationship that doesn't feel like, or maybe get back out there after a divorce, or she has a blog. She wants to start a podcast. Like she wants to do that thing. Like what's one little piece of advice that you would give her to help her just like get out of her own damn way and actually like go do the thing. 
Yeah. I mean, I think we didn't talk a lot about this in this during this interview, but like it all starts with self-compassion, you know? Yeah. So if we're going to like get in our heads and then beat ourselves up that, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to do this for three years and I haven't done anything and look at me and we're never going to get started. It's just so harsh and it's going to act as a roadblock. So learning to cultivate self-compassion and self-love is huge. So it's like, it's noticing the thoughts, meeting yourself in a really compassionate way. Like, gosh, it's like really hard to, it's hard to have these thoughts. I, and, and then like this mindful choosing of like, I'm not going to let them, I'm not going to let them dictate. Like, I'm not going to let these harsh thoughts dictate how I live my life. You know, like there's almost like this sense of like, excuse me. Um, yes, and, I love and that then one. it's baby steps, baby steps and, and being really, really proud of yourself with this, which is also a part of self-compassion, right? Like just like really celebrating yourself, you know, because you deserve it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, drop the mic. So good. I love that. Thank you so much, Leah. I appreciate you. I'm so happy we're connected. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on the show, girl. Thank you for having me. This was great. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening in. If you love this episode, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with a girlfriend, like send it to her right now or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me get the message out. I am so freaking grateful to be on this journey with you, girl. So until next time, I'll talk to you soon.